Lord, thank you for your word. Let it come to life as I talk about communion. Let it have the power that it deserves. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. I study, I'm talking about communion today, and communion, by the way, is not a word that's just in the scripture. You can't type communion and all of a sudden it's going to pop up. Um, there are summary statements that people use in, in churches around the world. They say, the Lord's Supper. Um, I, I don't think, I, it's, that's an accurate statement. It is the Lord having supper. And that word supper there. Honestly, in the Greek, can be translated uh, the dinner or his meal and even snack. But I think if I came up here and I said the Lord's snack, um, then people would be offended and walk out. How dare you call it a snack? But I want to draw attention to this because I think it's super, super important. And I think um, we as a culture um, become religious so much so that we don't recognize the true heart of what this is, that by the time we get the bread and the wine and and we take it, it becomes a religious thing rather than what it actually was. And I think that sometimes we lose the real context for things. One of them is is baptism with the word baptizo, which was a, a shirt, you know, getting immersed in, in a dye and getting immersed with the, with the you know, with the uh, you know the color and the dye, so it would change color to whatever it was immersed in, and it was a non-religious term, and Jesus used it. it was going to be baptized. You're going to be baptized into this, and then now it becomes we're going to have the holy baptism. Hallelujah. Baptism, come forward with the baptism. Bring out the holy things. Bring out all the holy things. Put on our royal hats. And there comes a point where I honestly think that it grieves God. I I really do. I, I understand that the sincerity within different backgrounds and cultures is significant. And everybody is raised different ways. But I think that the heart of it is God saying, I want you to be immersed with my spirit. And then we have the Pentecostals and the non-Pentecostals and all these different groups. They're they're the spirit-filled, but they don't have the spirit, and they don't. Really? Is that where we want to go with it? You know, we're justified by faith. We have peace with God, and we've gained access to the spirit. Justification brings the Holy Spirit. And then God says, but there's an immersion. There's, I want you to be immersed in this spirit. And we turn it in a way to divide people. When the heart of the spirit is actually love. It's a bonding together. How can it bring separation? How can that be the fruit of that spirit? It, it doesn't, it's inconsistent. And the baptizo and the power of the Spirit is God saying, my Spirit can be immersed with you, and there's power that can come out. And it can come out in prophetic words, and it can be streams of tongues and interpretations of tongues. And he gives things that are there that are available to, by the Spirit, words of knowledge and, and love and speaking the truth and just life. The Spirit gives life. And it's, 
you know, baptizo, but then it becomes, you know, what do you think about the baptism? And what do you think about the baptism? Should they be immersed under the water or over the water? I can imagine the Lord just grieved that the very heart of his message is lost. I mean, yes, you sprinkle the water. It doesn't mean the same thing as immersion. But how do you know their intent? You know, what if we dunk you all the way underwater but just miss your ear? You know? Some people, honestly, will say that, that the baptism didn't take. And I talked to someone who said, you have to have the baptism or you're not saved. And I said, so if a guy believes in Christ and he lays his arms before the Lord, he says, I'm saved and he's filled with the Spirit, but he dies and has a stroke on the way there. He's not saved. He says, no, you got to draw the line somewhere. And I thought, that is crazy. That is crazy. Oh, my gosh. I can't even. I'm serious. I can't. I don't even know what to say. And, you know, and, it's, and I'm not trying to be insulting. It's just you have your conviction. How can that be your conviction? How can, how can you not see Jesus Christ walking in the streets with compassion? And, and the way that he moves. Anyone who has seen the Father, has seen me, has seen the Father. You want to know what the Father's like? Watch me do things. What he does, I also do. The scripture is filled with these things. You ever wonder what the father's like? Look at the son. That's what he's like. And this brings me to the communion. I've heard people talk throughout my time of Christianity and even through my time as a a theologian trying to understand the deep things of systematic theology and the word. And there's so many times where I've read sometimes doctrinal statements about communion where I think to myself, what? I, I, had to, I wrote one down. This, he wrote this one theologian. He wrote all this stuff about communion. And he said, it is the duty of every Christian to do communion because it is the plain command of Christ. And he was talking about the details of it and how it's a shame that some people, and he started naming it. And it became a real doctrinal thing. And, and I thought to myself, the scripture starts out, they had a meal. They were eating together. Like, hey, I'll see you guys at Applebee's. <laughs> right? You guys want to come over? We're going to do this. We're going to hang out. That's where it started. And, and then it built on this Passover that, that had been, you know, a, 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 a several centuries before where, where the Jews had escaped the bondage of the, of the you know, the political leaders of Egypt and finally broke through with no righteousness of their own. They, they didn't all of a sudden get perfect. Like, like God looked down and he goes, look at the Israelites. They're finally as holy as I thought they would, should be. It not, it's not true. It's not in there. It says he heard their cries and he saw their bondage and he saw their plight. And then he delivered them. And it wasn't as if God was going, well, I'm going to wait till they start crying. God is giving a description of their season. He told them why he was there. He was going to show the people there what deliverance meant for humanity. It was the bigger picture. And then you have Jesus then coming. You know, well, then the plagues, when the plagues came with Egypt before this, the, you know, the, the plague of the firstborn, that they're all going to die and, and because of Pharaoh and the, the blood they put on the doorpost. And when this angel of death came down and all were killed, 
And we've had huge things of death through disease and everything through our culture. I mean, through our society, throughout the years. And, and God spares the Israelites. He lets the, it says, it's Passover. They, it passed by them, the death. It just passed over them when the blood sign was there. And here is Jesus now. You know, almost 1,700, 1,800 years later, he's taking the bread, and he's going, by the way, this whole thing, this bread, this blood, it was all pointing to me. This is it, guys. This redemption that you saw, this forgiveness, you that I love, this is for you. And then he says, I want you, I want you to remember this. I, I picture being with my wife and just touching her face and just going, I love you. I care so much about you. You know, let's say I was going to pass on. I'd say, I want you to remember this. And then we turn it into some religious dogma? Seriously? That's the sum of it? The sum of it, we all have to come in here and the who can and who can't and all that? Listen, if you've never taken communion, even if you think you're a non-believer, at least hear the gospel, you have an opportunity to take the bread in a right way. You have an opportunity to hear it. How can we take such an emotional, incredible thing that represents all humanity's deliverance in those that believe that we turn that incredible act the representation of the cross and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the life poured out and all of the Old Testament, it's the lives and the blood and all the sacrifices through all these centuries and everything there that pointed to the Son of God being the sacrifice and then him sitting with his very friends and handing it to them and then we turn it into a religious dogma. I know some places where it's like, are you holy enough to take the communion? They use that word, anaxios, which is unworthy, is the way it's translated NIV. It means, literally, if you remember the word axiom, truth, it's if you don't take it in the way that it's intended, then it has no meaning. And they turn that into, are you sure you're holy enough? Were you pure enough? Let me tell you right now, you're not holy enough. You're not pure enough. Turn to someone and say, you're not holy enough to take communion. Because aren't you glad when Jesus takes communion that he doesn't pull the bread and he goes, this is your body. Really? Yeah, this is your sacrifice. If it's good enough, we'll take it. By the way, this is the blood that we're going to take out of your gut. Wouldn't that be terrible? Aren't you glad that it's the Lord's sacrifice, that it's the Lord's body that was broken, that it was his blood that was poured, that it's a gift, it's given unto you, that it's an incredible gift, that we don't need to have a party to take, we're going to do the Lord's table. No, we're going to do a kegger and we're going to do a bunch of stuff. That's the unworthiness that he's talking about. Don't do the Lord's Supper, have a kegger, and, just, and don't eat at home and go to the church so you can eat there and eat all the bread. How many think I'm passionate about this? I'm very passionate about this. Very passionate about this. Because I think it strikes at the heart of what Christianity is and what it is not. 
And it grieves me that the world sees this picture of this religiosity and thinks that's what it is. And I think it scares people away from the truth that there's a God that loves them and that there is an incredible gospel that goes out and opens the eyes of the blind that those who believe will come and find eternal life. Amen? This is the heart of the gospel. Man, the gospel is amazing. It's so amazing. It's so good. It's, God takes us who are in darkness and brings us into the light. You know, he takes us from falsehood and brings us into the truth. He takes us from a lack of clarity into clear vision. He takes us from a purposeless life and gives us purpose, gives us a hope, gives us a future, gives us direction where we don't know where to go, where to turn. Where there's brokenheartedness, he brings healing. This is encapsulated in the communion. It's a communion. It's a fellowship. You now have fellowship with God. And it's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus did. There's no act of the disciples in there, in the communion. Do I hear amen? Amen. Oh, man, I'm just so passionate about this. I can't take it. Seriously, it's, I, you know, I'm not trying to cry here on stage. There's no script here. But I just... Anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. If there's water up there of any type, I will take it. I'll take used water from your cousin if it's <laughs> available. I grew up with three brothers. I do not care one bit. <laughs> just don't dip it in the toilet or anything like that. Matthew 26, 16, 26. Now, the, 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 this, this is recorded in a few places, uh, um, this, this gospel, and also, I mean, this uh, communion or the Lord's Supper. Or, and, and the reason I, I don't use the Lord's Supper, it's not that I'm against people using it. To me, as an atheist who became a Christian, when I hear the Lord's Supper, it sounds like a religious event. To me, it does. I, I don't have to say it. It's not in the scripture, so it's like I'm disobeying it. Um, thank you, Ira. Um, but, and, and, but it's a meal. Can I say the meal with God? The meal with the Lord. And it's, or I can say a New Testament Passover meal. Amen? That's what I'd put if I get to edit a Bible version one day. You, I want you to know that this is the time that Judas is going to take the bread with Jesus and Jesus is going to put his hand on him and say, you're the one that's going to, you're the one that's going to betray me. I know it. And Judas, of course, is going to deny it. Oh, what are you talking about? And no one else really hears what's going on. And this is also the time where Jesus is going to get ready for his crucifixion. He's going to be attacked. All the religious leaders are going to attack him. I mentioned this last week, but the prostitutes and their Johns are not going to come and form a committee to take down Jesus. Uh, the, the local bar is not going to have the head bartender and the cocktail waitresses rise up and get Jesus. Okay. The tax collectors are not going to come up and gather together with all the swindlers and the thieves and come and get Jesus. The ones that are going to get Jesus are the religious leaders. Okay, just get that. It's the religious leaders. It's, it's the ones who know the law. In fact, they know it better than everybody else knows it. 
And they got the details. They're the ones that are coming after him. And they're the ones that are going to crucify him. And they're the ones that are going to deny it later, although some came, Joseph of Aramaeus and Nicodemus, even Josephus, if you read his writings, toward the end of his writings, maybe two-thirds of the way, you'll all of a sudden start to hear him talk about Jesus in a positive light. And that's a, that's a Jewish scholar after the exodus out of um, uh, Jerusalem in that early church. That's him documenting. He's one of the best historians of that time. So it's, a, it's, a, it's another, we don't have, we have four gospels that tell about the life of Jesus, but we have other writers around, like Pliny the Younger and the Elder around, and there are others as well. Um, but he's one of them. So let's read the scripture. Matthew 26, 26. I'm just going to get to the heart of it. While they were eating. <laughs> just one more time. While they were eating. While they're eating. Which is it? I just, I just wonder. Hey, hey, while they're getting over there. Hey, while, while they're eating over there. While they're eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. Gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. Can you just say it with me? Say, all of you. All of you. This is my blood of the covenant. If you read Luke's version, he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. We have an old covenant. That's where we make the handshake with God. God... God says, I will be good and I will do the right thing. And I say, God, I'm going to be good and I'll do the right thing. And we shake on it. This is our covenant. Things will be good with us as long as he does good and I do good. Do you think God's going to keep doing good? Yes. Yeah. I am the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham. And, uh, you know, I am, my love is from everlasting. I am the righteous one. I am the mighty one the Almighty, the Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father. You know, the Jehovah Jireh, I always provide. I am the Israelite who always going to do the right thing and I'm going to praise you and I'm never going to do the wrong thing. Hey, stop it! I told you to shut up! I mean, be silent in the Lord. And I will be a very good... Do you see, this is the Old Covenant. It's the Old Testament. The New Testament is where Christ, we fail and now have separation. But Christ comes in our stance and then now he shakes hands with the Father. Do you think that this covenant's going to work? This is the covenant. So they are in right relationship. Father and Son connected by the life of the Spirit on the earth. But when Jesus dies and rises again, He then makes the payment for us to be in this relationship. How many want to be in a right relationship with God? There is no work that you can do to be added to this covenant. There is nothing that you can accomplish that will surpass the covenant 
that Jesus already made. It is the new covenant in his blood. His body broken for you. Listen, how futile to think that you can add to that covenant. Your only access is in Christ. If you think that means that this is a license for immorality, you're wrong. Because this is not me saying you could do whatever you want. I'm saying it doesn't matter what you do. Faith in Christ brings you in and gives you access and communion and connection. And that connection will change the way you live. Amen? Amen. And you know that because sins that you had, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, 30 years ago, don't have the same power over you that they did before. You see it diminish. And you also know that there's enough sins that next year you have new things to tackle. How many say amen? Amen. How many know that there are sinners in the room? Please point to the biggest sinner that you know besides me. Listen. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Here's a lesson from the past that I mentioned. It's a Passover. This is it. Where the the punishment passes you by. How many say amen? Amen. Turn to someone and say the punishment has passed you by. Because of Christ. Okay? And, and, And I want you to see this because why did it pass over them? I won't go into all the scriptures of this. Well, I'll just mention, the, the Lord, your God, why did he choose the Israelites? Why did he spare the Israelites? And people, don't, people have a hard time with this, but it just is in the scripture, so I'm going to read it because I, I don't want to shy off of it. The Lord, your God, has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. God says, I separated you. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you. Can everyone say, choose you? He did not choose you because you were more numerous than other people. You weren't weren't the most impressive. You weren't like, you know, the Israelites are there. Mm. Hey, Lord, here we are. I pick them. No, the Lord said, I separated you. It's because of the promise that I made to Abraham. It's because I wanted to set you apart. I don't know the reasons how God does things, but can I tell you, I'm glad that God set me apart. How many say amen? Amen. How many are glad that you've been set apart? And how many know that God can use you for your family? And that God, the the faith comes by hearing. Amen? Amen. That's where it is, and that's why we're preachers. And, And it says, but it was because the Lord loves you and kept the oath. There's that promise he swore to your ancestors. He made these promises, and he says, I made the promise to Abraham. It's like a sentence long. His promises and, you know, you'll be fruitful in all generations and blah, 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 blah. It's just a couple sentences. And God goes, yeah, those couple sentences? Yep, that's going to deliver the people of Draper in 2015. Those couple sentences. And the people in Draper are going, we're going to be really religious and we're going to do all these kinds of things to kind of please God. And goes, God goes, it's the oath that I made. That's why I'm doing it. It's the promise I made. Right? The oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh. In the New Testament, he tells his disciples a similar thing. He goes, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit, a fruit that will last. 
right? 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is right out of Exodus. A people belonging to God. Revelation, he has made us to be a kingdom and priests. I, I won't go too much into it, but you understand this revelation end times is looking backwards. This happens a lot in Revelation. He made us. We're already that. We don't have to look forward to this. It's backwards that this goes. Okay? I won't go too much into that. <laughs> what is communion? When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I, is God happy about this? Can everyone say eager? Can you say it? Can you say eager? Can you say desire? desire? Now say it like the word. Say eager. eager. Say desire. desire. Passover. Passover. Right? The, it's, I, I can't, I can't. The, you know how it passed over? It, it passed over the death and, and the destruction and heartache and discouragement and depression and all the things that are the, the plight of humanity. I want them to pass over you. I want you to have life. I want you to have abundant. I want you to have the spirit. I want you to have the fruit of that love. And I want you to have joy. And I want you to have peace. And I want you to have patience. And I want you to have a kindness and a goodness. I want you to have some self-control. I want you to have a, a measure of faithfulness. I want you to have... Don't you think God is good? These are the things that he wants to give you. And, 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 and this is the heart of the gospel. Number one, this is my body. So Jesus takes the bread. It represents him. Now, there's something about the body of Christ. He, he gives them to all of them. He breaks up the piece of bread. I know that we use these little wafers from some Christian distributor bookstore. Okay? And it's, it's an unleavened. There's no leaven in there, leaven representing the sin. Okay? There's no sin. It's a sinless bread. There's no sinless bread here in you guys, right? Is there anyone here that is absolutely sinless on their own merit? No. So this unleavened bread represents him. There's no sin in it. This has been going on now for, for millennium, right? For, for basically century after century after century after century, culminating to this event. He takes the bread, he breaks it, and he gives it to his disciple. He gives it to them. This is my body. I'm giving it to you. It's given up. My life given up for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I give it to you. And here it is. It's a gift. It's given to you. Here, take some of it. Take and eat. Oh, am I eating the Lord? Am I eating God? No. Take the message. Take this thing. It is your nutritious life. You think the, the carrots you ate and the burger you ate or the chicken you ate or the cottage cheese you ate, you think that's your food? I'm telling you, this is your eternal life. This is your food. My body is your food. It is the eternal food. Jesus says it earlier in the gospel. He says, here's the bread that comes down from heaven. Because remember, the Israelites wanted bread. We need bread. We need stuff. We can't give us some food. Now that we're away from Egypt, we need some stuff. Give us some great food. And God drops bread. That's all he drops, his little manna. And it just dies out. And every day, new stuff has to come in. And he says, you want to know what? I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. That picture that you saw of manna is me. Right? I'm the manna. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. 
Remember, he's talking to the woman at the well. Whoever drinks of this water is going to drink forever. These are similar analogies where God uses a different... I'll give you a political perspective. I'll give you a religious perspective. I'll give you an Israelite perspective. I'll give you a secular perspective. I'll give you a kingly perspective. I'll give you a spiritual perspective. I'll give you a transcendent perspective. I'll give you all kinds of perspective to tell you the same story. That I am the bread and the life. And he says, the bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. How do we later in our religious circles turn this into the who's the holiest one to take it? Honestly, Jesus says to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. They're thinking, well, we got to, is this the walking dead? You know, is that, is that what they think this is? We got to, you know, take someone's arm off and start to chew it up? Seriously, is that, is that what they're thinking? Because they're, they're offended by this. They can't handle this. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. He's talking about his crucifixion. He's talking about his payment. He's talking about the blood paid for him. He's talking about his body broken for us. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Listen to what he said when he launched this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Say with me, has eternal life. One more time, has eternal life. And they will not be judged. I don't know how many times I have to tell people this. They will not be what? Turn to someone and say, if you eat the bread and his blood, you will not be judged. You know why? Because you're in Christ. You no longer live, but you live in him. Jesus has already been judged, and he did pretty good. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Do you want to be judged on your own, or do you want to be judged in Christ? I don't care how religious the churches look anywhere in the world. If you're not preaching this gospel message, it's false. It's false. This is the gospel of Christ. It is. They will not be judged, but they have crossed over from death to life. How many want to eat the bread now? How many know that bread does not represent you, but it represents his body? Okay? Number two, this is my blood. Then he took a cup when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Many because the actualization happens upon belief. You know, and you know, there's more details to that, but I I will just leave it at that. This is my blood. He takes the cup, he gives it. Each time, by the way, he gives thanks. Thank you. Thank you. You know that for the joy before him, he endured the scorn and shame of the cross. The joy. It was the joy of the Lord. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. It's the new covenant. It's poured out, right, for the forgiveness of sins. The, the New Test, Old Testament, Leviticus 17, 11, and in many places, says the life of the creature is in the blood. It's the life. The blood flows, you're alive. He says, I give you the blood flowing in me. That's life for you. Hebrews 9, 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It has to be life for life. It has to be payment. God can't just look at your sin and goes, ah, forget it. I, don't for- I forgive you. You're good with me now. That's not enough. 
That would be an unjust God who doesn't take, doesn't have accountability. But a merciful God takes accountability and even pays for it himself. Amen? All right, 1 Peter 1.18, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes shall not, what? Perish. We become, in Christ, imperishable. We become incorruptible, right? We become, instead of mortal, we become engulfed in immortality, through Christ. We cannot be saved and, it, and it's, we cannot be redeemed with perishable items. There's no man besides the God who became flesh that can pay their sins for me. There's no act that I can do to accomplish this. Do I hear amen? amen. Are you guys awake? Yes. Okay. It says, such a silver or gold that you're redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Ephesians 1.7 says it similar. In him we have redemption through his blood. Through his what? Blood. We're redeemed through his what? Blood. blood. His body broken and his blood spilt. The forgiveness of sins. Here's the message. That's the supper. That's the meal. We're sitting around, and he's saying, by the way, I'm about to come upon something. Come here. Come close. Give it to you guys. This, this, I, I don't call, you're not, you're not just workers. You're my friends. You know the master's business. You know me. You've walked with me. You know who I am. And you know, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, there's that relationship, you know, comes in, Lord. You know, what's, you know, what's going to happen? Here, here, you guys. Take this bread. This is my body. This is the forgiveness that is going to be poured out for the world. Right? God so loved, in this way, loved the world. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, in, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Here you have redemption, forgiveness, riches, grace. This is the heart of the message. And I'm almost done. Can you say amen? <sighs> Clock. All right. This is important, more important than the clock. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private meals. But by the way, this is never a condemnation of how holy they are. This is a condemnation that they're not taking seriously what this supper is. They're not looking at what it represents. Can I have the communion people come forward and you guys can start passing this out? If you would, thank you. One person gets hungry, another one gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat in and drink in? He's saying when you come together for the Lord's meal and you're sharing this, this is not going to be a party keg fest. Isn't that what he's saying here? One of you guys are drunk in the corner. The rich people have the killer meal over here. These guys are eating leftover Twinkies, right? And, and when you get the bread, it's just a, you're just eating it with no observation of its power and its truth. We go from bread, we end up with this, right? But it still represents. 
Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? Look what they've turned it into. They turn this into a, a fest, a who's got more money than the other person. What do I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. And he says, for I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. Here he is, Paul, in the epistles, 30, 40, 50 years later, giving this message. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Amen? This is my body. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Think about how incredible that is. That, that word there, remembrance, means recall, reminisce, memorialize. This is, this is like a heart thing. It's like looking back at a photograph and going, man, those are the times. Remember that? That was awesome. Remember this? This is his body. That, uh, now we remember it. If you ever wonder, well, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I don't know where I am with God. Don't start crying out to God and start telling him how good you're doing. Just take communion to remind yourself of what he's done. Amen? And then, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there you have the encapsulation. Remember my body, done for you. Remember the blood, done for you. And you do this, remembering me and realizing that I'm coming back. And what does he say right after that? In my Father's house are many rooms. If it weren't true, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, trust me, I will come back. I will come back and get you. And you'll be up there with me. You'll be up there with the people that you know that are up here with me. There'll be a party like you will not believe. We are going to have bacon there's going to be, we're going to have definitely pork chops. Uh, you know, there is definitely some killer food. I tell my wife this whenever she wants me to eat healthy, and she goes, we're not going to have that big meal every meal, Eric. That's the big meal that we celebrate. And then 1127, he says, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner. That word, again, ananaxios. I understand that this second usage of there is unworthy. It works in the English. But, but really, the translation just says improper. Axiom of truth. It's not the true way of accepting it. I've heard people take this and twist this and say, you know, those who are living perfectly holy are the ones that can take it. Well, I've yet to meet those people, but it's not what it says. And I have gone over it and over it, and I'm not the only one. This isn't some big revelation that I came up with. This is just the Greek and how it's spelled out. Don't, don't do it in a way that's not true. Not, are you perfect to take it? To say that if you're perfect or not perfect enough to take it is to insult its message. Why do you think the, Jesus didn't come to call the righteous but the unrighteous? They're the ones that need a doctor. Okay. And then this is the end, and I'm going to take the communion with you right now. Remember his body and blood given to you. Proclaim his death till he comes. There's communion. How many like communion now? Come on. Raise your hand high. Come on. Honestly, how many got something from the Lord today? Because we're going to celebrate him in a second here. Raise your hand high to the Lord. Say, Lord, I got something from you today. Your word spoke to me. 
thank you. And then I, I want you, you can close your eyes. I want you to just remember what the Lord did with his body. Do you understand it was given for you? It was given for you. That's why he did it. He had all of eternity with you in mind. That's that whole section. And now you look at your life and the sins that you want to be delivered from and the sins that you have been delivered from and and the, the brokenness in your own life and your own body. And then you take this bread and you say, thank you that your body was broken on my behalf, a pure body. And they just take the bread and say, thank you, Lord. Give thanks and take the bread. We just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My sins are forgiven. Your body's been broken for me. I praise you. Lord, I'm so thankful. Salvation, who could ignore such an incredible message and good news? So good, Lord. And thank you for the purity that you shine upon our lives and transform us, Lord, into your image that we can experience life and truth and grace and power. And I thank you for the blood, Lord, that it was your humility that you gave up pure divinity and you humbled yourself to become in the flesh, in the servant on our behalf. That this was your plan all along. This is not a plan B. This is a plan A. And God's intention, it's called supralapsarian for you theologians. God intended this. And I just say, Lord, thank you for the blood that was poured out for me. That it was your life for my life. Lord, that it was a, a true payment with real death that came to pay for my death. And I thank you for the blood that was poured out for me and I am clean and washed perfectly before you because of the blood. And would you just drink of the blood of Christ and just thank him for say thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Bless your name. You are faithful. <laughs> I thank you God that your perfection and your incredibleness and your love for us is incredible. I thank you for each person here. Let them live in that redemption. All the prayer team come forward. Anyone needs prayer for any matter, come in. I've already gone over time, so I'm not going to drag it out. But I want you to see the power of communion. Would you please get some grape juice and get some bread? Whenever you have at home, sometimes with your family, just randomly, please do not turn this into a religious act. We're going to start doing this on our family day every time. Please don't ruin it. Just when you have a meal sometime, and like Jesus did it at the Passover, the once a year meal, and he goes, hey, come on, you guys, come here. I'm about to die. This is important. Sometimes in your family, they need to just be reminded of the gospel message. And you could just have it at home. And you can just have a meal. You can invite someone over if you want. And you go, hey, you guys, let's remember what God did. Amen? Amen. Be blessed in Jesus' name.